0: one this is adam meister the bitcoin meister the disrupt meister welcome to this week in bitcoin today is may the 8th 2020 strong hand long term thinking bitcoin is the next bitcoin one bitcoin equals one bitcoin having hype Personal responsibility is new counterculture. Five-digit realm. We're one day closer to an all-time high. All right, guys. We got a new one here. Surfer Jim is in the house. He's uh, he's making his debut on the show. Vlad, Vlad is back, of course. Brady is back. They're all linked to below. And first thing we're going to bring up is the halving. Uh, because that's coming up on Monday night, right? Is it Monday night? It's coming up. It's coming up really soon, and it's. I've been talking about the 2020 halving since 2016. So, uh, Brady, are you pumped for this thing?
1: Oh man, I'm so pumped. This is once every four years. Uh, it's you know this is my first having. I came in, I guess, probably six seven months after the uh, the previous having. Um, so much has happened in this third epic. Uh, just super hyped for the fourth, man. It's going to be, Bitcoin is, is, uh, is on the stage. The spotlight's about to, to shine uh, brighter than ever on it. And, uh, you know, act four is about to begin.
0: Okay. So, you know, you, you, you're down with Swan and we'll talk about Swan later. So, you know about uh, people trying to buy Bitcoin <laughs> and uh, you've heard that uh, 50% of the new Bitcoin is uh, consumed by Grayscale and Cash App. And this is before the halving. So so what's your take on that statistic there? And, and what do you expect uh, a- after the halving? What's that gonna mean after the halving?
1: Well, I mean, it's basic economics, right? Uh, supply goes down, demand stays the same or increases, then price must rise. Uh, and yeah, that that stat is amazing to see. And that was, you know, first quarter numbers. Those were first quarter numbers. so ending March 31st, they didn't even catch this run up, uh, over the past five weeks. So I have to assume, you know, as price goes up, people buy more, uh, which is, you know, uh, just the way, way things roll, uh, you know, price goes up, hype goes up. Uh, there's been a lot more mainstream media attention on the halving and everything. So I, I expect those numbers to be blown out of the water, uh, when we get the quarter two numbers and we'll be a couple months post halving by the time that news drops. And I think, you know, just it's, it's, um, it's going to get very exciting over the next couple of years, and you know I think it might happen a little bit faster uh, than it did in the previous cycle. Uh, I don't think we're going to have to wait nine months post-having to really to break all-time high.
0: Oh wow, there you got a prediction there, people! Pound that like <laughs> button. I don't make pre- all I know is that we're one day closer to that all-time high. I don't know what's going. Hey, why, why do you think it's going to be faster this time? Because of a uh, that we just had this condensed. Uh, down period. I mean, people were saying on February, uh, or what was it? March the 13th that, or March the 12th, that we were never going to recover and it's already $10,000. It's already back to pre February numbers. So, uh, Mm -hmm. is, is that part of your reason there?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just the, the community or the, uh, you know, infrastructures as far were developed a lot more attention on it. I mean, in 2017, 2016, early 2017, when the, you know, previous all-time high was broken over a thousand, just over a thousand dollars, you know, it was still relatively obscure. The reason everyone knows that a word Bitcoin now around the whole world is because of what happened, the craziness that happened in 2017. So that's still there to build on. And uh, we're already seeing the media attention pick up. You know, CNBC's talking about it every day again. And, uh, you know, like Paul Tudor jones and Raul Powell, you know, oh. these guys talking about Bitcoin.
0: Put those Raul. There's some guys that love him. Some Raul, man. Woo. All right. Let's let's go to Jim. It's time for your debut, man.
2: Uh, what's up? What, what's what's up, your take everyone? on on what we were just talking about there? Uh, uh, you- uh, this whole Bitcoin thing is freaking out my whole life, really. Um, you know, I, it just blows my mind what was invented. Um, I studied it really, really deep. Uh, I'm, I'm the kind of person that uh, if I can't understand how it works, I can't. I can't promote it. I, you know, I just have to know how it works. And just I studied deeply how the protocol works and how the ecosystem is being built out. I constantly study this stuff. I, I, I go to you know, Socratic seminars in New York City now. I got all these new Bitcoin friends. My entire life, I can't believe what's happening. My entire life is just on a completely different path now because of Bitcoin but it's just a fascinating thing that's happening that the economics behind the having is incredible. Uh, you know, everything Brady said about the, uh, you know, the effects in society and, and the economics of how it should play out the, you know, it's just fascinating. The whole thing is absolutely fascinating. And I cannot get people to pay attention around me. I live in a really condensed area, lots of people and they're all just busy with their lives. And this Bitcoin thing is just like an afterthought for almost everybody I meet. And it's, boggles my mind how the, uh, you know, the, the knowledge of what it is and how it works can't get through most people's heads. And uh, I don't know. I'm just freaking out over the whole thing. Well, well, you know, you make a good point. Uh, there are going to be a lot of people that regret,
0: uh, you know, when I do this show in 2024 and I have some guests on, they're going to be like, yeah, I just missed that having. Uh, and, th- and there'll be others that will still have no clue what it is. You, yeah. what you've done, I met you in person. You've tried to simplify it for people. You made a freaking little card that just oh, told yeah. everybody. Show, I mean, to this is yeah, the yeah. card guy. Everybody, he just yeah, made yeah. a card. It's got everybody's links on it.
2: That's the so front, no- yeah. So I'm surfing Jim on Twitter. So I picked a picture of me surfing. I figured that'd be appropriate. Uh, <laughs> and then on the back, you know, there's all. It's just a lot of resources, different people on Twitter, books, podcasts, all this stuff. I. I it was really hard to. Uh, explain to people where to go to get truth and people that knew what they were talking about. And I was just so frustrated trying to think of website addresses and whatnot. And I give out my business card for my current business. I'm a contractor. You know, I thought, Oh, this is easy. So I just made up this card and it's been a hit. Actually. I've given away hundreds. Might be close to thousands by now. I wouldn't mind being that, that person. I, you know, I might never know the numbers, but I wouldn't mind being somebody who got like a shit. Oh, excuse me. A lot of people into Bitcoin, a ton of people into Bitcoin, uh, you know, I, and I don't care. They don't need to ever thank me or anything. I just, I, it's one of these things where I feel so compelled to tell people because um, I fully believe in what Bitcoin uh, represents in terms of a worldwide um, money that no one uh, directly controls, how that relates to personal freedom, uh, 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 financial sovereignty. Those things people don't recognize how important those things actually are to their lives and how little of those things they might have in certain areas. A lot of people think they're free and whatnot. Uh, a lot of people are being woken up by this whole uh, this whole pandemic thing and, and finding out they're not as free as they used to think they were. And uh, once they realize that their money isn't as free either, a lot more people are going to start paying attention to this. And I just I feel so bad for these people who don't know what they're missing. It's like they don't know what they don't know. You know, none of us did. And so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's just amazing, the whole thing. So, yeah, I made it easy. I want people to get the information and, and, and wake up here, you know?
0: Well, welcome to your first halving many, and many more to all. All right. Mm-hmm. So in, in the chat, Rocky Palumbo says the, the halving should be Monday between 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. Los Angeles time. Okay, good. Uh, I'll be on at some time later. Now, that'll be really like late at night where Vlad is, I think. So, Vlad, uh, how, how you doing? It's good. To, it's good to see you here. We we've talked about. Uh, we mentioned uh, Cash App, and we mentioned Grayscale. These are both American-based uh, companies that are getting a lot of Bitcoin, and, and it's not just them. I've tried to put the uh, the word out there, and this is my theory, and maybe you can confirm it or not. That it's, it's, it really seems like the American, uh, that Bitcoin is centered in America in, in terms of company, in, in terms of marketing, in terms of uh, programmers, in, in terms of a lot of stuff. Uh, what's your take from outside of America?
3: I mean, I have to disagree with you from Ooh. many points of view. Ooh. If you think of the Bitcoin core maintainer, he's not American. Ooh, True, true. And there are lots of developers maintain the bitcoin core project who are in switzerland and i'm not going to name them it's their business so yeah i don't think that bitcoin is such an american project anymore and if you follow to see the events in here i mean we have bitstamp which is a european exchange we have etoro i think that one is from israel but it's still somewhat european because it spread in europe before it got to america we also have local exchanges and unlike your exchanges, ours don't all do KYC. So there's that.
0: <laughs> I like this counterpoint. Be yeah, the 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 tech heads are all over the place. But I mean the the trading, the the wild Bitcoin gamblers and altcoin gamblers, uh, the impulsiveness. It seems <laughs> there seems to be a lot of the, the money side of things seems to be flowing through the United States. I mean, that statistic was pretty overwhelming that half the new Bitcoin is being gobbled up by those two entities. But your points are very valid. I, I want to since I got you since I got you talking and Brady's going to talk about the American aspect of it in a second. But Vlad, I want to hear your, your take on, on the having if you had anything to add to, to what the other guys had to say.
3: I mean, I feel like they already said the deep stuff, so I just want to say that I'm happy that the Ponzi is still working, and I can't wait to dump my bag, as <laughs> <at> newbies. newbie.
0: <laughs> Pound that yeah. like button. We're we actually gonna we're gonna we're
1: gonna talk about some all It's our content. turn. It's our turn to dump. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, all right,
0: all right. Let, let let's get a, a Brady. A, you you obviously deal with a, a company in in America that uh, sells Bitcoin. Uh, what do you think about what I said about the the America playing a very large or Americans playing an American companies playing a very large role in, in the ecosystem?
1: Yeah, I mean you know Bitcoin is definitely a, a, obviously a global asset, um, and you know we're focused right now on the American market. Uh, it doesn't. I guess, you know, probably doesn't surprise too many people that um a lot of bitcoins being bought, you know, in the United States on the United States exchanges just cuz, you know, the most wealthy country in the world uh, has some money to spend. So we just all got air-dropped a bunch of money. Uh and yeah. a lot of us turned that into bitcoin. Um but that that aside, like I you know, I am absolutely bullish on um uh, bitcoin only companies. Uh, really excited to have, uh, be part of starting one here in the U.S. at Swan. Uh, and we're also focused, you know, completely on, um, you know, stacking sats, automatically stacking sets, which I think is, you know, one of the most responsible ways to uh, to start buying Bitcoin. If Once you get convinced, it's good to, you know, put a lump sum in. But then uh, as your paychecks come in, uh, put a little, you know, set aside 5-10% uh, to saving in Bitcoin, treat it like a 401k um, long term thinking, right? 10, 15, yes. 20 year investment. So, uh, no altcoins, no trading, uh, just buy, you know, turn your Fiat into uh, Sats slowly, but surely. Um, have, you, all- ha-
0: have you thought about Bitcoin dominance increasing in these last few days? Do you think altcoin holders are now dumping their altcoins for Bitcoin? There seemed to be, I, I, I got that vibe. I got that vibe when I, when I start seeing Bitcoin pumping and some of these alt top supposed top tier altcoins dumping. Do you, do you think some people, because of the having hype are now like, oh, I, don't want to be, I don't want to be holding onto this Litecoin now and it's time to turn into Bitcoin?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess some of the traders, I, to me, if, I feel like the people who will hold altcoins are traders for the most part. I, like, you know, I, that's just, uh, I, I don't have the data on that, but that's just my assumption, right? That this, you know, it's a crypto casino and th- those things pump and dump. And that's where you, if you want to gamble and go put your chips on the table, you play with altcoins. Um maybe some of those traders are seeing that you know this is a you know buy the news or um uh sell the news kind of event right um and i think what is it called a buy the hype sell the news or something like that is the trader yeah uh, buy lingo, the right buy yeah, the yeah thank you yeah sell the news maybe they're seeing that that kind of event and you know i wouldn't be surprised if we saw a sell off after the having actually happens so maybe they're trying to play that game i don't know i I remember in the last cycle we would often see before uh, a bunch of alts would pump. We'd see BTC pump first, uh, typically because I think, because you used to have, you know, buy Bitcoin in order to buy the altcoins. Now we have these stable coins where you can kind of get into. So maybe that effect won't be as, you know, pronounced this cycle, but definitely saw that last cycle. Like you'd see Bitcoin pump and then traders would move from Bitcoin into altcoins and then like, you know, kind of go back and forth like that. Vlad, I want to go back to you for a second. Your, your expert technical analysis.
0: Uh, do, do you see, uh, <laughs> what, do you see uh, what do you see Bitcoin reaching its all-time high? Do you think that this is going to start a major hype cycle this having? Or will people just not pay attention after it's over?
3: I don't see adoption following our price speculation. So there is that stock to flow model which I don't really like or agree to. Mm -hmm. which says that every four years we're going 10x and there's some sort of schedule or pattern into the pricing in relation to U.S. dollars. But I can see the price going up due to the inflation that's happening due to the Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank. So that can push prices up and we can see hedge funds just like we had the case. And I suppose you're going to talk about that at some point because it was in the news. We yeah. have had an important hedge fund manager who said he would put a single digit. You don't want me to mention that, right?
0: No, no, do you want. I want. Let's let's start talking about it now. No, no, mention. I I think you're going to have a similar take that I have.
3: You're saving it for later, okay?
0: No, 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 no. Bring it up. I no. We're segueing into it now. Say say what you're going to say about it.
3: Yeah. So we have this hedge fund manager who has been around since the 70s and yesterday it was announced through his reports that he has been buying Bitcoin. And it's a single digit percentage of his funds, but it's still significant enough to push the market sentiment and keep us afloat in terms of hopes that we're going to the moon. But also it sets a precedent in in traditional finance with hedge fund managers who will basically look at governmental money inflation and say, I'm going to buy some Bitcoin as a safe haven against that. So right now, the question is not, are we going to the moon? But which hedge fund manager is next to invest in Bitcoin?
0: Well, I, I think he's the, the thesis that he's spreading that it's time to look into Bitcoin and Bitcoin related products because, because of inflation because he experienced he liked gold in the 70s and he thinks this is similar to gold in the sem- to protect you from inflation I think it's good he spraying the word about that um, how many how many of his fellow hedge fund guys are going to follow I I don't know and I don't know if it I think it was kind of blown a little bit out of proportion because he said uh, the allocation he's allowed to buy Bitcoin futures which isn't exactly Bitcoin so that that's I I think I think the story might be hyped a bit, and uh, I I don't want to I don't like putting dudes like him on a pedestal much, but it's dudes like him that can change their mind in a second, also be like oh, it's not my thing, and then if you if you thought he was the great savior of Bitcoin, or which some people just they want someone to look up to like that, and then he changes his mind and everybody panics. So uh, what what did you guys uh, think of uh, Paul Tudor Jones? It's Paul Tudor Jones. Uh, Jim, what do you think of Paul Tudor Jones' uh,
2: announcement? Um, so, considering his position as a trader, hedge fund manager, uh, and he's only investing in futures, he's he's clearly considering what the future price of Bitcoin might be. Uh, but I, I wonder if he and the, his consultants really study the, the the way Bitcoin works and the reason why People around the world like us give it value. Uh, You can speculate on anything you want and not understand what it is you're really speculating on. And, you know, I would assume a guy like him would have a knowledge of how the the blockchain works, how the difficulty adjustment works, you know, how mining actually works and how it's progressing, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, flared gas being used to, you know, to run uh, mines out in the middle of the, you know, uh, oil fields and stuff like that you know if he knows all this stuff and he's betting on bitcoin as a fundamental important asset class that's not going to go away beyond and you know even beyond just an asset class this is a money this is a type of money that could be used by people all over the world to live their lives and have financial sovereignty this is more than just some investment but he's treating it like an investment but i just wonder how much does he really know about that underlying importance of what this thing actually is and the people that listen to him, most of them have no clue. In my opinion, they're just <laughs> going to follow what he says. So you know, it's good for Bitcoin, of course. Anything. What what do they say? Uh, any news is good news. So even yeah. if the guy quits next week, he still talked about it again. Some people will pay attention. So it can't be bad for Bitcoin. I,
0: I thought I thought it was a good a good marketing event. Something. I mean, he, he said good good things about it, and we'll 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 see how it develops. I know. I mean. I'm in the bit, I'm in Bitcoin and I know they will eventually come. Okay. Uh, I didn't buy Bitcoin because of the big money, but I know it's eventually going to come. And that is, but we got to be very patient, uh, for the institutional investors for these hedge fund guys. Uh, and I think everyone gets really excited when one of them speaks up and it's just, it's going to take probably longer than we think for these dudes to, To really totally feel comfortable and be allowed to to do it by the way uh vlad brought up stock the flow uh and jim you you say you've studied a lot of uh, different uh what do you think about stock the flow
2: uh so i i have studied it as close as i can uh you know the information that's put out there about it i listened to the different interviews uh plan b was just on a, a another podcast recently and it was very interesting he's it's again no one knows the future. So this is just taking some data from the past and extrapolating it out and making a prediction about what may or may not happen. Uh, it has interesting parameters and correlations. He just did this uh, S2FX where he correlated against other assets like gold. Uh, and it has interesting, um, it plots out interestingly on a graph, let's say. Uh, whether that's going to you know, play out like Vlad said, yeah, there's no way you're going to know any of that stuff, but it, it's very interesting to me because it's done at a, uh, I want to say like a mathematical level without without emotion, I think. My best understanding is that, you know, you're using formulas which are going to just, as I understand, he went back and, and uh, took the stock to flow prediction before Bitcoin ever started, like took data and said, in 2008, if you were to take this thing and stick it out there in the world, what might happen to the price? And if you start the analysis from back then with no future data involved, you get what we have, which is the most astonishing thing about it. And that right there is really kind of amazing. Uh, and so if if you can make that kind of prediction in 2008 and, and in 2020, you get what the model was going to produce, you, you know a lot of people want to believe it's just going to keep doing that. So it's weird, but it's also extremely interesting because of that.
0: All right, yeah. I, I, there better not be any emotion in that model. I'll tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> it better, exactly. It better be pure mathematics. Uh, now, uh, Brady, what's your take on stock to flow and on uh, Paul Tudor Jones?
1: Okay, I'll start with stock to flow. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think the math in in the model doesn't have any emotion in it, but it sort of generates a lot of emotion. <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, to me, yeah, I mean, I'm not a statistician, I'm not a quant, uh, you know, so I just kind of have to take these guys kind of word for it, but it does sound like it's been, um, you know, it hasn't been just dis- like, uh, what's the word that it's been verified basically, uh, by other analysts and quants, uh, to be as being statistically significant and the court, you know, the correlation being significant and all that. Uh, The S2FX chart is really impressive, I guess just intuitively, like from an Austrian economics point of view, from what I understand about about money now, which, you know, it's much simpler than Keynesian economics makes it out to be, um, is that, you know, stock to flow really does drive uh, good money, like it's kind of a great definition of good money over time, so... If we just look at through the history, 5000 years of gold, uh the reason we keep coming back to gold is because it's, you know, got one of the lowest stock to flow ratios of any monetary asset, monetary good. Obviously it's durable and, you know, all of that stuff too, all the other properties of money, but you know, it has to like one of like one of the factors, one of the aspects of it is that it has a really great low stock to flow ratio, right? Uh high stock, low flow. Uh so I mean, it makes sense to me uh, as, uh, you know, something's monetizing and trying basically to compete with gold as the best sound money on the planet. It would make sense that, you know, as stock to flow of Bitcoin, you know, gets closer and closer to golds, that it's sort of like going through gold's 5,000 year history or, you know, 4,000 year history up to 1,000 years ago in like 10 years, you know. And who knows, like maybe Satoshi, you know, game that out. The guy was or the whoever they were were brilliant uh, and seemed to foresee a lot. So I think um, this cycle, this four-year cycle that we, you know, we're about to have another having now, is really interesting. I mean, it's cutting the stock to flow, the issuance rate in half every four years, creates this supply shock, uh, and then this sort of demand, uh, you know, cycle that comes after it. So like, you know, having every two years or every four years, and then you kind of wait two years in the middle, and then every four years you sort of have a a peak, uh, in the price, all of that cycle is really important to the way Bitcoin is developed in terms of just attention, uh, you know, um, investment into the space, you know, those blow off tops, like really create a lot of money for people who are understand these cycles and, and want to create companies and build companies. So, you know, you can kind of like these the cycles kind of fund development during the bear market. Right. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting and it makes sense to me just from an intuitive, like understanding of the way money works. All right. And Paul Tudor Jones. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think you're right that he's going to be buying Bitcoin futures. So he's not actually holding an underlying asset. Um, I, I, you know, I think that that's the way that traders are going to start, you know, they, they trust those institutions. They trust the, um, you know, CME, et cetera, et cetera. They've been working with them for years. It makes sense that they would work through that. Um, I think it's great for the, for attention, you know, like Bitcoin has Price has been supported by speculation for a long time, but I think that's gonna continue for a while. The thing that I really loved about his letter was that he very much legitimized, like explicitly, Bitcoin's value and status as a long-term store of value. I mean, it was right there, word for word in the letter. Um, And, uh, you know, we talked about that monetization process. You know, I think we're squarely in the middle of of the uh, store value phase of the monetization process. And, you know, watching uh, somebody who's very well respected as a, you know, as a trader, um, say it very clearly and spell it out for everyone who listens to him to, to hear, uh, is I think a great thing for Bitcoin.
0: Good point there. All right. So we're gonna, we're gonna get back to Vlad here. Now, Vlad, he's got his podcast baby, and he does it his way on his podcast and he's linked to below. So check it out. Now, something that you talked about, I like to keep things positive, but I like people to to be careful too and and look to the future and see possible threats that bitcoin might face in the future you talked about this vlad what are some possible uh, threats that bitcoin might face in the future that you discussed
3: well it's not about what i discussed and if you want to find out what i discussed then you can oh. just listen to the podcast now i'm going to summarize just in a few ideas but i think a big threat model is that we just stop using it or we no longer find usefulness in it because at the end of the day, it's a network. So it's only sustained by our efforts and our, our contributions to it. And that's one of the problems that I have with Stock to Flow and this idea of using statistics to explain history and phenomena because it undermines the contributions of people who have been there, of businesses that have opened, of businesses that have failed because that dropped from 1K that happened in 2015, I think was due to mount gox collapsing and all the adoption that we had in 2017 was due to other phenomena and new money pouring into the space for other reasons so i don't think it's fair to look at it in terms of every four years it goes 10x you look at history it happened for various reasons it was a series of coincidences and if these coincidences keep on happening then more power to us. I'm happy that plan B was right, but we should just highlight what people are actually doing. And I feel like, you know, Swan Bitcoin has launched. You are selling Bitcoins to people who want to DCA and they want to put like 5% of their income into Bitcoin. That's useful. That's the kind of service that helps and drives up adoption. That's something that we need. And the question was about threat models for Bitcoin. I mean, nation-states at this point can do very little. And if they ban it to some extent or they balconize the internet, and balconize means that they establish national intranets that only work for the people from within a territory and they cannot interact with their neighbors across the border, that can happen. But now we have satellites. We have the Blackstream satellite, which has been upgraded and can cover the entire planet to synchronize a full node. And we can also communicate with our nodes using simple dish antennas. I mean, those are breakthroughs that make sure that this experiment that we are still undergoing, which is still in version 0.19, keeps on going and reaches success eventually. I mean, these are my takes that Our threat model should be against ourselves and against those who rule us and might protect or claim to protect ourselves from whatever disaster we're causing to the economy with this crazy digital money. And as long as we carry on with what we are doing and we keep it decentralized, I think it's going to succeed.
0: I like how you uh, talk about adoption there and and point to Swan as an example, uh, basically getting small amounts of bitcoin in the uh, hands of everyday people. Uh, (laughs) Do you see that increasing? Uh, I mean, you seem to be a little bit down on what you called adoption before, but that's a a pretty big, uh, that's a pretty positive, big positive there in terms of adoption.
3: I mean, I don't know how many people are actually buying, but it's useful to have more services that allow you to do it and It's useful to have services that have lower fees than coinbase and that don't work with chain (laughs) analysis by default i mean that's a feature that's something great that we need more of and also swan bitcoin i mean i'm not employed i'm not paid by them i have no idea why i promote (laughs) their service but at least they also provide some sort of education i looked on their website and they have articles which explain how it works and how they should you know manage their own coins and what are the fundamentals of bitcoin so they are taking this approach where they look to newbies who want to get into bitcoin and they teach them everything they need to know so that's something that's useful and beneficial to the space
0: all right now outside the united states uh do, do you have a favorite uh place to buy bitcoin some something that's similar to swan any a- any uh recommendations
3: oh i prefer huddle huddle and bisque because okay. they are peer-to-peer and yeah they're direct you don't have to the bank will never know what you're doing and that's an essential process because i happen to know personally people who had their bank accounts shut down for the reason that the bank said we don't want to deal with the volatility and risks of cryptocurrencies
0: yeah that that, that's that that is uh well you mentioned Bisc, and i don't think an american could get uh, uh americans can use Bisc to get rid of altcoins to get Bitcoin. Uh, and I, I, and I've actually, I've done that and it was, it was a good experience. It was a good experience, but I could not, I don't think we can wire money there. I don't think Americans can wire that, that seemed, I didn't, I didn't look into it at all, but it looked kind of complex. I think it's easier for, uh, outside of America to do that. Uh, but, and, and so the, the, the way that works with BISC, they don't have a problem. Like the banks don't question uh, you when you try to send your money there to BISC.
3: You don't send it to BISC. So BISC well, collects th- nothing.
0: That's right. That's right. You don't. you send it, you to, just
3: send it to the person from whom you're buying your Bitcoin.
0: That's right. It doesn't. So they do sh- that
3: you're transacting with a person. The only risk to which you're exposing yourself is that the person might be some kind of shady character. And you're going to have the secret services scouting you to see what you're up to.
0: I I just I'm, I'm trying to envision how it, how it looks on on the bank side. It looks like you're transferring money from your bank account to another person's bank account. I guess uh, I, I I i anyway. I don't I don't I don't know if Americans use it that way or not. I'll have to uh, I'll, I'll look into that. But good bringing up uh, BISC again. Okay, uh, let's. Uh, Let's get here to uh, what do we have here? All right, Ethereum 2.0. <laughs> now I don't know if anybody wants to talk about this or not, but it's been in the news lately, and it's it's, it, it's something we're all going to have to deal with. Uh, if you're if you're a hardcore Bitcoin maximalist or, or whatever you may be, um, it, it's definitely uh, very complex what they're what they're proposing here. And if they pull it off, uh, more power to them. It could be pretty, there's going to be an Ethereum 1.0 chain and a 2.0 chain at the same time. Okay. Uh, that should be interesting. I think that the whole 2.0 gimmick though, I think a lot of people are going to buy into it. A lot of people are, are predicting doom and gloom for Ethereum, but I think a a lot of this is, is is pure marketing. And if they can pull it off, I think it's going to end, end well for them, but it, it definitely is complex so
2: i I don't know surfer jim do you have any thoughts on this oh come on are you kidding of course i have thoughts (laughs) um number one (laughs) the complexity is what's going to allow it to stick around because people are too stupid to figure it out and they're just going to believe it's important and they're going to throw money at it it's probably going to last for a while unfortunately um but here's the bottom line reality there's only one reason to build a blockchain it is to produce digital files that, the, uh, that uh, are um, produced as a result of work to secure the network, uh, that entire network with that blockchain and the people um, securing it must be completely decentralized with no CEO, no address, no uh, ability to shut down. It needs uh, adoption over time. Um, and uh, it's re- great that the, uh, that, uh, the uh, inventor uh, would disappear. Uh, but we only have one of those. And we only ever will have one of those. You can only invent digital scarcity once, it's been done, and that's it. It's over. The rest of them are going to zero eventually. That's it, that's my take. You can only invent digital scarcity once. That's been,
0: some people have been saying that. I like that line a lot. I like that you you put it in there. So uh, yeah, proof of, you're, you're not down with the proof of stake. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: no. Brady, Brady, how about you? Uh, I don't know if I even want to talk about it, honestly. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I, ha- I have no faith that anything meaningful will ever be rolled out. I think it's, you know, they've been talking about it forever. Uh, phase zero is what's been talked about for months now. It's supposed to be launching. Who knows? The, the date keeps getting pushed back. Um, you know, I remember the ETH uh crowd you know really giving bitcoin a lot of trouble that uh, lightning was vaporware you know it was always it's always two weeks away it's always one year away or something like that uh and it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed well you know that's been rolled out it's working been working on mainnet for a couple of years now uh you know we've got you know apps built on top of it we've got layer three emerging on top of it um we have you know all kinds of infrastructure being built and the layered approach is obviously how we do it Uh, it's how we scale. It's the way the internet scaled. Uh, So Ethereum, I think, is just, yeah, it's overcomplicating. I think there are some, you know, people who just, like, can't be, aren't satisfied with um, simplicity and, like, the way we know how to scale. And so they just, they have fun. They're stimulated by creating super complex systems. And if you look at some of the, you know, like, the flowcharts and stuff, these, these diagrams of the way E2 is supposed to work, it's, You know, it's insanity uh, compared to uh, this, you know, simple proven uh, solution that was launched 11 years ago and, you know, invented digital scarcity and exactly like we, we learn from, you know, from Austrian economics about you know, the, the truth of money, what money really is, uh, it's a network effect as well. So it there will be one money uh, in the long run, right? The only way that we can sustain, that we sustain like multiple currencies now is national borders and enforcements in, in, in uh, a nation, nation state levels. But we have truly one global currency at any given time. It's the global reserve currency. You know, we've had several of those throughout history or whatever. Um, yeah, so we're going to have one money. Uh, ETH is not money. ETH is some kind of a network, uh, maybe right now they're playing with it, but eventually all of that functionality will come to Bitcoin uh, or at least be the money underlying it will be Bitcoin. So that's, I'm not, I don't pay attention to it anymore. (laughs) All right. Complexity for the sake of complexity. Some people really like
0: that. And I think Jim kind of alluded to that when he was talking. All right, Vlad, what's your take on ETH 2.0?
3: So I think the Ethereum project has been nothing but educational for us from the DAO hack, which, made us realize how important it is to preserve immutability in spite of any loss of funds. And all the way to these faulty smart contracts, which made people lose millions of dollars and all this DeFi or what do you, I have no idea what they call it, but they lose money all the time and they have incidents and they shut it down. And how are you supposed to shut down something that's decentralized? I don't know, It, it beats me. And there's this running joke that, If you shut down AWS, which is Amazon web servers or web services or whatever, then you're going to shut down the entire Ethereum project, which is true because nobody runs an archival node. So if you and I, Adam, let's say that we have signed a smart contract in 2017 or something, and we don't run a full node and we are supposed to rely that somebody else is going to store that contract into their node. But if they keep on pruning the node and sharding and doing all that crazy stuff, it might just fade. It might disappear in history. It might be wiped away. So we, we basically put our funds into that smart contract. And unless we have a node to store it and to validate it constantly, it's not going to be there anymore. So I also have another question. How the hell are you supposed to move a smart contract that has been established for multiple years? let's say that they have this, what do you call it? When you have a condition, which says you cannot spend the funds for five years or something.
2: When
0: it's locked in, locked, when it's locked in, yeah.
3: Yeah, let's say we locked funds there and we have a smart contract, which locks the funds for 10 years. And we set it with code that we copied from the Ethereum foundation website, because that was very simple. They made it so simple that anyone could issue an ICO. So we copied that. How the hell are we supposed to move it to Ethereum 2.0? to make sure that it's going to be there. And the only solution for that is going to hire people who have actually worked on the Casper project and Ethereum 2.0 for consultancy so that they do this action. So you're going to make a lot of money from this.
0: That's very uh, centralized aspect. Uh, If you can't do it yourself, you gotta go to some uh, team of people that are, (laughs) the few experts that can help you do something like that. And dude, it's going to take some expertise. I mean, they're talking about sixty-four shards. I don't even know what the heck. They're <laughs> it's unbelievable the complexity uh, of this situation. Well, we'll see how we will see how it plays out. Uh, again, there are some people who just love the uh, complexity for the sake of com- complexity.
1: Uh, and I just want to say one quick thing. Um, yes, please. You know, great great design is about simplicity. Simplicity is hard, right? Complexity is easy, uh, and making a system as simple as possible and thus as reliable as possible. That's the hard part of design. Uh, so I'm not impressed by your super complex diagrams, you know, they're they, they
0: fa- They're fancy graphics. No fancy yeah. sets or graphics here on this. pound <laughs> so that like button. All right. Let, let's see. Okay. We talked about the institutional investors. We're not, we're not holding our breath. Uh, waiting for those dudes. Uh, we, let's talk uh, a little bit beyond Bitcoin real quick. Uh, I was glad to see the Bitcoin price didn't crash today, I thought it might, Uh, the unemployment numbers came out in the United States at 14.7%, which I think some people might have been relieved that because it's really, it's really higher than that. Uh, So, uh, Jim, do you have any uh, thoughts uh, on that? Maybe how it might relate to Bitcoin or just how it relates to the world we're living in today?
2: uh the only thing that really comes to mind is how incredible this is that it was it was sort of orchestrated i guess uh, for for political established governments all over the world to not understand the unintended consequences of forcing perfectly healthy people to stay home and not work is mind-boggling uh all you have to do is study a little bit of uh, austrian economics and this stuff is super clear you just can't do this to society uh, pandemic or not, society should be allowed to operate to fix, you know, the pandemic uh, in, in the free market. You know, if, if it was allowed to operate, people would have come up with solutions and people would have self-isolated those that are. Uh, you know, But now everybody's, you know, sheeple. They follow what the government tells them to do. It's, it's, it's amazing. And now you got all these people unemployed. It just blows my mind. This is an economic disaster. That's so much is still yet to be seen. Uh, I'm waiting for the food shortages in America in 2020. I never thought this was even possible. And yet all these people out of work, the the supply chains are screwed up and it's, I I don't know. It's, it's so, it's such a new territory to, to find our, the world economy, not just one country or anything, you know, like the great depression, I guess, the world economy affected by something that could easily have been avoided. Like if we just kept living normal lives, none of this would be happening. It's unbelievable.
0: And it is unbelievable how people just b- blindly believe the uh, party line, including some people in the uh, cryptocurrency space, quite, quite a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Brady, you have thoughts on, well, since you, you're in America now, you're in America and <laughs> have to deal with this unemployment, I guess, that that's going around. It, it, it is crazy. I mean, we're talking about buying Bitcoin, buying hold, buying little bits of Bitcoin. The fourteen point seven percent of the uh, population—they're not—they've they're, got their mind on other things, and this is something—it's—it's it's so unfortunate that it didn't have to be this way. But uh, Br- Brady, your your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it's a sad situation. It's—and uh, this is just the very beginning, just the tip of the iceberg. Um, the economic fallout of these decisions are going to last for years and years, uh, and will cause more damage than I think. Um, the virus left, you know, uh, wh- well, people left to their own, you know, choices. Um, what the uh, the virus would have caused if people were left to their own choices, um, like Jim said, I think people who were at risk would have chosen to self isolate. Um, I think that business owners who uh, were, you know, running businesses that are currently, uh, you know, mandated to be shut down, uh, you know, for the most part, would have made responsible decisions for their for themselves and their businesses. Um, you know they'll adjust to demand, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know the. It's hard to it, it is hard to know what would have happened on a global scale had different dis, you know decisions been made. Um, but we and we didn't have a lot of data, so it's a weird catch twenty two, right? Um, if you're a policymaker and you're, you're running a government and your mandate is to try to protect the populace or whatever, and that's what you, you know your mission, you think your mission is, then you don't have a lot of data at the beginning of a pandemic to, uh, make decisions, right? So you're just fear kind of takes over. The numbers at the beginning are absolutely like unreliable, right? Modeling, <laughs> we talking about stock to flow model, like, right. It, like I, I, agree that no model can predict the future, right? You can, you know, maybe kind of see trends that fit in the past, but yeah, things happen, right? The black swans come and unforeseen circumstances occur and, and will crush your model. All right. Well, the stock flow model has like a lot of you know history to look at or whatever and, and data. The pandemic has no history. You know, <laughs> there's no history for this particular virus. The way it's going to spread, how the damage is going to occur, uh, et cetera. And you try to build a model off of that based on a, a week or two of data, and that data is absolutely not reliable because you know governments ha- have incentives to misreport it. So, making decisions based on models like that just it makes no sense. Uh, it's absolutely it's insanity uh, in my mind. So, I just think it's really unfortunate. I feel for all the you know suffering that's happening out there, both from the virus and from the economic fallout of decisions that were made. Um, I don't know. I just I'm thankful to have my job. I you know I, I think the governments now are just pr- you know it's there's only one thing that can happen at this point based on those decisions, and that's to print a bunch of money and try to stave this off like we have been committed to for long time, basically since we, you know, went all in on Keynesian uh, monetary policy. Uh, so I think that's, what's going to happen. And I think maybe we in terms of Bitcoin, I think maybe we've kind of pulled the future forward a little bit and, and we might, Bitcoin might be called upon a little sooner than, uh, than it would have been otherwise. Uh, good, good, good tie in there. All right, Vlad, what do you think
0: about this uh, blind compliance, the Twitter mobs, every, everything that's going on with this, uh, this virus, what's your take over there in Europe?
3: In my country, it hasn't been that bad, but it was in Italy, and Romania has like a million people working in Italy, so we got scared because around Easter time, we expected half of them to return to the country, so we had quarantine set up so that they would stay there for two weeks before entering the border, and we have been exaggerate to some extent, but some people have also been reckless, so... I don't know, it's not as bad as in the United States, at least not that I can see it right now. And next week, actually, we are going to be free from all restrictions, but we're going to have to wear masks. So everything opens, but we have to still distance ourselves and wear masks. And I look forward to that. I can't wait to play basketball. I mean, it has been so nice outside and I had to watch all of these beautiful days from my apartment. And without being able to go out without a valid reasons, the only reasons why you can get out is to do shopping, to buy food and to go to elder people to treat them or take care of them or kids. So, yeah, I didn't have too many excuses to go out, but I'm happy that I will get to go out next week.
0: Excellent. Yeah, it, it could have a bad psychological effect when you see it so beautiful outside, and you're like, "I can't go. They're not letting me out." <laughs> I mean, that that must be a, a an eerie feeling, actually.
3: By the way, I, 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 mean, I even know- when I was a kid and I was getting grounded, it wasn't this bad.
2: <laughs> that like button <laughs>
3: <laughs> for the illusion to the illusion, the youth.
0: Now, now the government grounds you. Yeah. Um, can I add something into? Please, this? please.
2: Yeah. Um, th- We see this um, on Twitter all the time. Bitcoin fixes this. And uh, there's a lot of people that believe that a sound, hard money on the planet that everybody used would actually fix a lot of these problems that are created by governments and central planners. Um, When they can control the money, they get to control a lot of society. Uh, When you control large sums of money, you can pay people to enforce whatever you write down on paper as the law and uh, it becomes very easy for a small group of people to take control over large, very large groups of other people. Um, When they can't control the money and they can't pay people off by printing money out of thin air, it changes their level of influence. And um, when people are uh, free to make their own decisions um, based on their own rational self-interest, uh, th- this is how the world works. Uh, this is how the division of labor happens. People decide what they want. They decide to specialize. It's the same thing with reacting to news. Everybody decides how they want to react to the news, what they're going to do to keep themselves safe and their families, and some people will make mistakes. That's life. People die every day because they made miscalculations in the way they were driving, or uh, they didn't pack their parachute correctly. It doesn't really matter. you know. People should be free to do what they want, and uh, and and fiat money has taken that away. Fiat money has put control of many other people's lives in the lives of just a few. And hard money on the planet can fix this. It uh, probably take a couple generations. I might not be around to see it. But Bitcoin is humanity's best hope, in my opinion, to change all of this craziness.
1: Bold,
0: bold statement there. Bitcoin, it's a game changer, isn't it? Uh, all right. I, I do want to go to, uh, before we, we're going to, we're going to get to our concluding thoughts pretty soon, but I wanted to ask, uh, uh, there's a lot of mob mentality today on, on, on social media uh, that, that deals with this virus. I mean, people are shamed. It, it's crazy. But still, in, in the Bitcoin social media world, we have, so I, I've, I've alluded to this before. I call it the Bitcoin inquisition. If you say like one little thing that's a little controversial or you you, you let someone onto your show or you talk about someone who is not in with like the, the in crowd with a certain click, you can get sent to the Bitcoin Inquisition. And guess what? Vlad got sent to the Bitcoin Inquisition, I noticed. Um, he talked to Bobby Lee about Bobby Lee's uh, product. Uh so, uh, any insight on that uh, on Vlad? Uh, Vlad getting sent to the, the Bitcoin Inquisition because you uh, people said you were a scammer because you uh, you talked about a uh, a wallet that's for newbies.
3: I mean, it's not that bad, but there's a you know there's a hardware wallet war going on, and their ballet is not even a hardware wallet. It's a cold storage solution that's very basic. And you use a phone app to scan a QR code, but it looks nice. It's like a credit card that's made of stainless steel. And actually, I don't recommend their product in its basic form, but they do have the Ballet Pro, which allows you to generate your own private key according to the BIP38 standard. So you don't have to trust anyone. You generate your own passphrase, and then you you use BIP38 to generate a hash that's going to be printed on your card. And decrypting that hash is even harder than decrypting a Bitcoin wallet to determine the private key from the public key. So it's a trustless way to have some sort of cold storage. It's not that bad. It's a way of gifting people some Bitcoins if they're not acquainted to anything. And it's it's like giving them an Amazon gift card. It That's the way I see it. The fact that I got, you know, canceled, I mean, yeah. Some people are just like that, but I'll keep on doing what I do. I've also given Bobby Lee a hard time by asking him about his past as a big blocker and stuff like that. I mean, he did not expect it because I let him talk for like 30 plus minutes about his product. And then I was like, oh, so why do you think that Bitcoin can scale with small blocks now? He did not expect that. (laughs) <laughs> anyway i i just it's good that you're
0: you've got conviction you're doing your show the way you want to there's some people that are very reactionary out there they're just like no you, you can't you can't have this person on you can't and again again the improved product is an improved product it's better than the original thing um and no one's forcing anyone to, to buy those it, it, it's a gifter you're right it's it's you gift someone some uh, bitcoin a newbie and and, and that's I mean, from what you were saying before, it's it's uh, let's increase adoption and get newbies in here somehow. At least he's trying something. He's he's trying something. So I, 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 I'm just always noticing uh, uh, you, people have given you a hard time on a, a, a few things in, in the past, which to me gives me makes me think that this dude glad he's speaking his mind if he if he's if he's constantly offending people that are just <laughs> so, so prickly he's, he's doing something good out there so keep, keep on uh keep on doing that man
3: all right i mean uh, i can admit when i'm wrong so if the person is a proven scammer then i'm going to dismiss them but as far as i know bobby lee has never stolen anything from anyone so he's not mark carpelles or something uh,
0: he, you know, he he has no need to steal from anyone either. He, I mean, he straight up says he's very wealthy. Why would he try to steal from everyone? I mean, he, he's he's put that out there. All right, okay. So let's let's get to our conclusionary thoughts here. Promo time. Talk, everybody, talk about what they're into or any stories that got left out. Uh, we'll start with the surfer Jim.
2: All right. So first thing is. I like you're always wearing a good t-shirt, so this may look backwards on the screen, but I wore my Ripple t-shirt today, which says, this t-shirt is more decentralized than it. <laughs> that, Ripple. That's a good t-shirt. Right? So uh, in honor of uh, all the t-shirts you always wear. Um, uh, if anybody who follows my Twitter feed will, will see that I'm constantly posting videos from the beach because I surf all the time. I've been doing it for about 45 years, and I'm never going to quit as long as I'm physically able. And- Unimaginably, the beaches in New York are, have never been closed the whole time. I can't even believe it, considering the kind of police state I live in. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I post videos showing the waves, showing the beautiful beach, encouraging people to go out and, and disobey orders. Uh, uh, not that you can get away with it. I don't know about where you live, Vlad. And I wouldn't suggest you go uh, uh, get in confrontations with the authorities. But luckily, they've just been leaving us alone, which is awesome. So I feel relatively free, which is nice. Uh, I've been prevented from working in certain circumstances, so that's not making me very happy. Um, but uh, a couple of things regarding uh, the beach. I am trying to put together a beach barbecue for a bunch of big corners this summer. Uh, i got a lot of friends in New York City that don't surf that think it's really cool, so we're going to try and put that together. And uh, I am a consultant on the Long Island Surf Park. A good friend of mine since high school is building a wave pool on Long Island. Uh, we've got site plan approval from the town where it's going to get built. We got the property already. We have a test tank where we've proven the concept of the of the mechanism that's going to make the waves. And we're hoping to be open by maybe next summer. If anybody wants to learn to surf, we're going to be able to give you any size wave you want. And it's going to be awesome. So uh, Long Island Surf Park, uh, www.longislandsurfpark.com. Check it out. And uh hopefully we'll see you on Long Island surfing one day. Now, I like
0: this attitude.
2: There's so many people like life will never be the same. No, dude. No, no new normal.
0: People will still go outside to the beach, get be healthy, get sun, UV light, red, uh, vitamin D. We need it. People get
2: it. it. It's unfortunate. Like Vlad got locked in his darn house. He couldn't go uh
0: Enjoy the sun. It's ridiculous. Like, hey, uh, Adam,
2: Adam, one more thing. Um, yes. I got some friends on Twitter that I've never met. One guy in particular, a- Apex B. He's a surfer in Florida. He says, Jim, make sure you shout out to all the Bitcoin surfers out there. So that's all you Bitcoin surfers. We're, we're one big team.
0: Dude, I know that dude's name. I've seen that guy out there. i seen that, 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 that Twitter, Apex. A- yeah, I've seen that. All right. Uh, Vlad, your, your conclusionary thoughts. And please talk about your podcast, of course.
3: Okay. So first of all, run your node. That's the single most important contribution you can make to the network. You know, decentralize it, validate your own transactions, be autonomous, learn more about how you can be your own bank. That's the most important part. And if you want to listen to season five of the Bitcoin Takeover podcast, which I have recently launched this week, I deployed six episodes at once. And I have Nopara, who is the lead developer of Wasabi Wallet, who speaks about Bitcoin privacy, and that's very useful. And he explains pay to endpoint which is going to be huge in the future for payments. And also I have Francis Puglia, who provides a pretty valid criticism of stock to flow. And today I had, before doing this interview, I had a discussion with Torsten Hoffman, who is the producer of the Cryptopia film. So he has released a new Bitcoin movie into the theaters worldwide. But due to the pandemic, he was not able to show it in many cinemas. So yesterday it was launched globally. You can watch the film for like five dollars. Just look Cryptopia. You search for Cryptopia Film on Twitter. You're going to find that account and you'll be able to watch the film. I think it's pretty great. I think it explains the Bitcoin scaling worse pretty well. And it also offers a perspective on various camps that exist. And there's also <laughs> Craig Wright in there. And I couldn't yep. believe that he was invited personally by Craig Wright to meet him and show him the pattern <laughs> that he has acquired with Enchain. And that that's insane. But he has done that. It's in the movie. Yep. And well, I- other than that, I'm going to be part of a halvening party, which takes place, you know, during the halvening. But it's special because it's about sporting events. It's organized by Vitis Veller, who is a German entrepreneur, and he's best known for Team Satoshi, which has done events like Run for Hal Finney. On Hal Finney's birthday, he basically arranged that lots of Bitcoiners around the world would try to do a half marathon or run for as long as they can, at least. And this time they're going to be push-ups, They're going to be burpees. They're going to be squats and all sorts of physical exercises that people can do in front of camera. And the way of celebrating the happening is going to be by actually moving and doing sports and stuff that we should be doing outside, but we can't.
1: Nice. Hey, uh, I will say I saw the
0: movie in Sydney. I met the guy who made it too. And, uh, the, the Craig Wright thing was kind of weird in there. I, 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 that, that sticks out. That sticks out in my head. And I, uh, yes, that's good. You're promoting it. I, if people watch, I think yesterday's show, I, I actually linked to it also. I do want to add, you say run your own node. I, I have a question for you. Uh, the node count just recently went down. Am I correct about that? Do you have any theory on, on why that has happened?
3: no idea because miners are still active so the happening hasn't happened and they're trying to take advantage of this last wave of great rewards that they can get i don't know i run my own node on my computer so whenever i open my computer the node is also running i don't run the lightning node for now because i did not have proper incentives and I suppose that they're going to fix routing, but that's another discussion for another day. The fact that I wasn't routing any transactions due to geographical and internet speed issues. So yeah. All right. It's Excellent. as easy as this. You have a computer you can run a node just like you run your VPN or you keep your browser open in the background.
0: All right. Run run a node, says Vlad. Good conclusion. All right, uh, Brady. Uh, UK Bitcoin Master says you you have to bring Swan to the United Kingdom. That's, that's, that. <laughs> uh, is, is that happening soon or no? That's
1: not. It's not going to happen soon. I mean, we're only a month in, so oh, yeah, yeah, we've yeah. got a, a lot of work to do here in the US first. Uh, but hopefully, we can get the you know things humming along, and and we can look to moving internationally at, at that point. But yeah, no plans right now. All right. So can, your your thoughts? Any stories you want
0: to bring up? Any? Uh, promos you want
1: to say so yeah i was i was looking at the num- the node numbers as well which made me think run your own node no poop coins go to the moon like uh, I, oh there's also this guy noddle so a couple of great buy your own nodes there's you know plenty of free options out there too like vlad said you can download on your computer there's great software out there to help you with that um so run a node it's the most important thing you can do as a bitcoiner figure it out there's so many resources out there uh you know dm me on twitter i'll help with uh whatever questions you have um why do you think
0: the node the node, node count went down recently it did go down recently didn't it i don't know
1: maybe it's just the end of the bear market i mean it definitely happened last time too and then the number of nodes shot up uh during the bull run um so i don't know uh it could just be the very end of the bear market is is really all i can speculate uh but yeah, we need to get that up. We need to get that number up for sure. Decentralization is the most important aspect of Bitcoin. So we've got to optimize that. Um, so yeah, I, I have a podcast as well. Um citizenbitcoin.world is the address. CitizenBitcoin Bitcoin has been around for a couple of years now. Um, and we started a podcast at Swan. It's called Swan Signal, uh, Swan uh, we actually had a debate between Pierre and Francis about stock to flow, um, so you can hear Francis talk more about that after you listen to, to Vlad's episode with him. Um, and yeah, swanbitcoin.com, you know, come start st- stacking some sats, uh, be one of the early adopters. Uh, Swan stackers are, we're buying uh, over $2.7 million of Bitcoin a year now, uh, which is awesome. Uh, you know, a lot for, we're a lot, we're well ahead of where we were hoping to be uh, just five weeks in. So that's awesome you should come and join uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, there's that the groundswell there. Um, And I just want to say, you know, thanks for having me on. Uh, Thanks uh, Vlad for your work. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time of BTC media and your podcast. So it was fun to hang out with you, Jim been, you know, seeing you all over Twitter for a long time now. So it was awesome to meet you as well.
0: Awesome. Well, I thank all three of you. It is, it was a blast today. The last this week in Bitcoin before the having, Hey, and next, this week in Bitcoin, we'll be saying strong hand 2024 having. Oh, I'll be pumping it. <laughs> a Tuesday morning, I'll be talking about the 2024 having. <laughs> so everybody have a safe Monday night when you're partying, wherever you are doing it virtually. I don't know how you get hurt this day and age when everyone's like locked in their houses and everything. But uh, have fun. We've been waiting for this day for a while. It we're one day closer to an all-time high. Thanks a lot, guest. I'm Adam Meister. Bitcoin Meister, this is Meister. You get a new show here every day, every Friday's This Week in Bitcoin. I'll be back tomorrow night. Shabbat shalom, everybody. See you, see you Saturday night. Everybody have fun. Let's end this
2: lockdown. And thanks a lot, everybody. Goodbye. Stopping the live stream now.